You talking to me? We are chock full of Oscar contenders at the movie theater this week, just like we've been anticipating that time of year. Tis the season. That's right. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we are from MadWolf.com. Yeah, it is that time of year we've been talking about here for a couple of weeks. They're bringing out the big guns, getting ready for the uh, awards season. And that means some of them, when they open, just opened in New York and L.A. Right. just so they can get qualified. Exactly. But I think this week, uh, most of the ones, the, the three big ones we have, are all wide release, mm-hmm. uh, which is good because we've got some quality. Two, two really good ones and one... Not too bad. so But uh, probably not an Oscar contender. Not an Oscar contender, but still, <laughs> you know, it's got some chuckles. Uh, and you can probably guess that one, and we'll get to it. But we'll start off with a definite Oscar contender, one of the best of the year, and it's called Manchester by the Sea. I don't understand. Which part are you having trouble with? Well, I can't be his guardian. Well, your brother provided for your nephew's upkeep. I think the idea was that you would relocate. Relocate to where? Well, if you here? look, it was my impression that you'd spent a lot of time here. Hi, sweetheart. I'm just a backup. Lee, nobody can appreciate what you've been through. And if you really feel you can't take this on, you know, that's your right. You don't want to be my guardian? That's fine with me. Not that. It's just the logistics. All my friends are here. I got two girlfriends, and I'm in a band. You're a Janet and Quincy. What the hell do you care where you live? Yeah, this is just the third feature for writer-director Kenneth Lonergan. He did You Can Count On Me in in 2000, I think it was. And then just a a year later, he did Margaret, which he had been working on for years, and it was a a two-and-a-half-hour, really rambling, ambitious kind of mess, maybe. Uh, so now he's back with his third feature, and it is ju- it's such a confident, subtle, realistic way of storytelling. He really is in control with what he wants to do here. And even though it's a movie that is steeped in sadness and grief, uh, it's also very hopeful and very funny, which is, which is strange. But he's always, in this movie, he's always one step ahead of where you think he's going with the scenes. It tells the story of... A guy named Lee, who's played by Casey Affleck, who is tremendous. That that's your surefire nomination, right sure there. Surefire. He is so so good, and he's a a loner, moody. Works as a janitor. Just lives in a one room uh, apartment uh, in suburban Boston. And you know, there's something going on here. There's a backstory, but but Lonergan takes his sweet time, and good for him. In, in telling you what it is. Lee gets a call that his brother, his older brother, has passed away, so he has to go to Manchester to take care of some family business, and he quickly finds out that his brother, unbeknownst to him, his brother has stated in his will that he wants Lee to be the guardian of his brother's 16-year-old son, which Lee seems not, he's surprised by, and he doesn't really seem interested in. So again, you get the idea there's some serious family backstory going on here and then the the story the narrative jumps back and forth in time it, it jumps around in points of view and slowly the questions get filled in and one of the biggest ones concerns Lee's ex-wife Randy who doesn't get a lot of screen time but she's played by Michelle Williams and oh my so 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 good she's always so she's good always good and i don't want to give away anything but one of the things toward the end of the movie, there's a scene between the two of them 
speaking about things they haven't spoken about in a long time, and it is one of the best acted scenes I've seen in years. It will just rip your heart out. Now, maybe some people don't want to go to the movies to get your heart ripped sure. out. But it's so, so good. So good. Um, and the, the, really the whole ensemble. Uh, Kyle Chandler. There's a, the young boy who plays the um, nephew. Lucas Hedges, I believe is his name. Uh, hasn't done a lot of starring roles, but this is a real breakout performance. I would, I, I really wouldn't be surprised. He might get some consideration for a, a best supporting actor nice. nod, depending on how crowded that mm-hmm. field is. Sometimes those supporting, supporting the supporting can be can be crowded, but he's great. And the relationship that he has with his uncle, and how they can go from being angry to some brittle affection to tenderness to just biting humor back and forth <laughs> with some of the smart aleck things that a teenager would say you know because he, he's got his cool teenage rock band going on in the garage <laughs> you know just it just seems so real all of it the performances the writing it seems so real and even though it deals with these really sad themes in the end it's very hopeful about maybe breaking a family cycle of emotional isolation and how you can persevere in the face of the worst that life can throw at you. Mm -hmm. And I I just can't recommend it any more highly. It's definitely one of the best movies I've seen this year, best written and directed and certainly best acted. It's called Manchester by the Sea. And again, some people don't like those types of heavy sadness and grief at the movies. And I I suppose I understand that. But if you just want to see a well-made movie from start to finish. That, again, in the end, is hopeful. It and has is. and does have humor in it. It does have humor in it, a surprising amount, uh, because dealing with the themes that this movie deals with, and then you catch yourself, I saw it in just a, a small crowd of just critics and heard myself laugh out loud. I'm like, wow, this isn't really the kind of the movie that but you laugh like at. But it's like you say, it's very realistic. Life is like that. Yes. You know, even at a funeral, you know, there's a, there are moments of of levity. Yeah. It's and, how people deal with and grief. And especially with a 16-year-old boy. Right, exactly. And who's dealing with the loss of his dad, yes, but he's also got 16-year-old boy things on his mind. <laughs> and it is. It's so realistic that way and subtle in its themes. And it hits you with some heavy stuff, don't get me wrong. But, boy, it's worthwhile. It really is worthwhile. It's so well done. And that is Manchester by the Sea, one of the big Oscar contenders. I expect at least a few nominations for this one. I'll be disappointed if if it doesn't. And another one that's been on the radar and also, I think, Oscar contending for some performances in this movie all across the board because, like Manchester, it's got a great ensemble. And this is the second feature for fashion designer turned filmmaker Tom Ford, and it's called Nocturnal Animals. Do you know that you were my first crush? You were my first crush, too. When you love someone, you have to be careful with it. You might never get it again. My ex-husband used to call me a nocturnal animal. I didn't know you had an ex-husband. Did you love him? I did something horrible to him. I left him in a brutal way. What are we going to do? It's a question of how serious you are about seeing justice done. Amy Adams, who's having a stellar year, having just come off Arrival. 
She's having a great year. Well, she's yeah. always good, too. She is always, always good. She's always. always good. And she uh, she turns it around. This is a very, very different performance than the sci-fi movie that came out a few weeks ago. Uh, and she plays Susan, and she plays her uh, 20 years apart, and she does a great job of doing that. So when we open, we see Susan as a successful gallery owner. Actually, it is one of the weirdest film openings you are ever going to see because we open at an exhibition, and what an exhibition it is! <laughs> Key word, exhibition. Yeah. There's some exhibitionism going on. Wow, it's crazy. It really is startling. But fascinating, but fascinating. And and uh, and then uh, you can see that she's she's unhappy in her life. She's unhappy in her marriage. She's very isolated. And uh, she receives a package in the mail. And it's the novel that's about to be published and was written by her first husband, Edward, who's played beautifully by Jake Gyllenhaal. We flash back periodically. The the novel is called Nocturnal Animals. So it's the story within the story Mm -hmm. where the movie gets its title. Uh, And we flash back periodically to the two of them 20 years earlier, you know, in the beginning of their courtship. Very, very nurturing and and romantic. Uh, And then, but I would say at least half of the screen time, if not more, is spent as she's reading this novel. The novel comes to life on the screen. And it's fascinating the way the the aesthetic changes mm-hmm. because in the real world of the film, it's just saturated colors, very uh, highly stylized, almost too, like to, it's really to an excessive degree, intentionally, no doubt. It's almost futuristic. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, but then they when they go to take, take you into this novel, it's set in West Texas. Uh, it's just this dusty, chaotic mess, and uh, uh, a man and his wife and teenage daughter, and the man also played by Jake Gyllenhaal, they're forced off the road by three ne'er-do-wells, you know, uh, outside cell range, and terrible things happen. And, and it's it's interesting that the, the wife in the story, the acted-out story of the book, is played by Isla Fisher. Who looks so, who much, looks like, so yeah. much like Amy Adams. And that's important because, you know, the themes that run throughout this film, I mean, it's very, very important, actually, that, that not only do you see Edward himself as the character inside his novel, but you see a wife that looks so much like his real wife. Yeah, because it's funny that over the years, people have made jokes about how much they look like each other. Well, you know, it's Isla funny. Fisher and Amy Adams, and now it serves a real narrative purpose. You know, it's funny. In looking for images to use for the review for this, there I Mad saw. Com, by the way. <laughs> I saw so <laughs> many mistagged pictures yeah. of Isla Fisher. It right. would say Amy Adams. Right. You know, natural animals. I'm like, no, no, no. But it's not. It's far from for fun here. It's for a real purpose, oh, yeah, like you a, said. A very real purpose. And and not only do the themes cut across uh, from the novel inside the movie to the you know the outer shell of the movie, but there are Tom Ford's way with imagery is unbelievable. And yeah. there will be these startling artistic shots, just a, a just a moment, a freeze, and then you'll see it paralleled back in Susan's life, which again is very important because as she's reading the novel, she she's reading into it that she had a very big influence and and it's just fascinating the the way he does it the the film itself is pulpy uh noir-esque yeah and and again it's so overly stylized overtly stylized that you definitely get the sense that it's done intentionally well it makes sense coming from him with his background as a fashion designer Mm -hmm. and then a few years back all of a sudden he debuted as a filmmaker with a wonderful movie called A Single Man. Just beautiful. Just incandescent. It was so great. You know, I didn't know, you know, I'm not a big fashion guy. I knew the name. I wasn't familiar that he wanted to break into movies, but wow, what a debut. And then 
this one comes along. So yeah, he has an eye for style, as oh, he you might imagine. Yeah. yeah. You know what else is interesting? Even though the his original his first film is is incredibly restrained and a lot of the poignance in the film is, is due to that restraint they actually have a lot in common you know because your your lead character is looking at a future that is to to that person almost unbearably grim yeah. and the film is really about isolation and loneliness and the inability to connect and the same is is here except in this i think you can really feel throwback noir old school Hollywood a little bit but very hard boiled pulp yeah in a great way in a fascinating way and the performances are great not only Jake Gyllenhaal and Amy Adams and Isla Michael Fisher Michael Shannon yeah, inside the narrative mm -hmm. where, where the book is played out you've got Michael Shannon playing a, a Texas sheriff uh, toward the end of his career. And then you've got the leader of the ne'er-do-wells, and that's Aaron Taylor Johnson. So great. Who is great. He's another one that I would I would give him a, a look for Best Supporting Actor. Because uh, actually, he, both of them. Both of them, yeah. yeah. Well, we're used to that with Michael Shannon. Exactly. Uh, and not that Aaron Taylor Johnson's been bad. He hasn't. No, he's but, always been very good, but yeah. the, he really stands out here. If you don't know here. who he is, he was kick-ass. Right. <laughs> and then he's had some other fine roles since yes, then. Yes, absolutely. But uh, he really makes a mark here. He really does. And uh, you're right, the aesthetic changes between the two stories. And really, between the 20 years ago, oh, yeah. Young Courtship, and the current day Susan. Sure. And then it gets into um, ambiguous motives mm -hmm. about why would her ex-husband, what's, what's he doing? He's got more in his mind than just giving her the manuscript mm -hmm. for feedback. Mm -hmm. And you're wondering how that's going to play out. So it's really, really well done. Very, like you said, pulpy, mm -hmm. noir. I wouldn't say, I don't think it's quite as good as A Single Man, uh, Tom Ford's oh, first movie, but stay with it, and it, it can have it can have an effect on you, mm -hmm. and it's got, a again, fantastic performance. It's just fantastic. And the look is really unlike anything else. It's, it a, really, it's really an amazing film to look at. There's really only one scene in the movie where I thought he might have taken yeah. it a little too far. Yeah. Just, just a little too far. Other than that, boy, you're, you're right. Looked, to, you know, for me, there are like two or three moments of, of sort of comic action, reaction that yeah. felt really out of place to me in mm. the, in the overall film. Okay. I don't know. I mean, there were, there's just enough, enough faults here and there. It doesn't quite make the leap. So for me, a, a film like say blue velvet does that pulpy, hard-boiled noir in mm. this really weird and bizarre way and absolutely kills it, right? Or even Drive from a few years ago. And, and I think that uh, this doesn't quite make it to that level, doesn't quite transcend the genres that it's working in, but it's still, it's, it's especially because of the performances, just an amazing well, film yeah, to and, watch. And really, when you think about it, molding, blending those three those three different stories, those sure. three elements with different looks is, is hard. Oh, yeah. And he's not a very experienced no. filmmaker, no. at least for features that I'm aware of. So I still think he's onto something. Absolutely. And there really has a talent and certainly an eye for it. So, yeah, real, real pulpy thriller, so well done, is Nocturnal Animals. And so that's the two that we think might have some Oscar nominations. The third one, not really, but you know what? <laughs> I got some laughs out of it, and it's Office Christmas Party. It's Christmas. We should celebrate, they said. Just a little get-together for the employees. Have a few drinks. Blow off a little steam. Nothing crazy. Um, if you are going... 
going to have intercourse tonight, please do not do it on company property. Go into the Rite Aid parking lot. We're talking Rite Aid, baby make it all night. Flip, flip, flip. It seemed to me like a lot of people were looking forward to this one. I don't know. Oh, absolutely. No I question. I don't know if it's kind of like the Bad Moms vibe where you had all those groups of moms get together and go see that movie. <laughs> Whether you've got a bunch of office people going to see it, whatever. But but right off the top, the cast is just a bunch of people that you can count. Jason Bateman, Jennifer Aniston right at the top. I mean, they've worked together on at least two or three movies before. They're both so good. Jason Bateman has... I've. Honestly, I have said this since I saw him as a child actor in, I think it was Silver Spoons. Yeah. Back in the day. I said, that kid has some fantastic comic timing. Yeah. And he still does. He's just impeccable. Oh, absolutely. And now he can pretty much do it in his sleep. He's so good at it. And so you've got uh, Jason Bateman and Jennifer Aniston at the top, and they are part, uh, well, actually, Jason Bateman is part of a tech firm in Chicago, and his boss is T.J. Miller. Who's a stand-up comic, and he was the uh, the the bartender, the bartender friend in Deadpool. in Deadpool. He always pops up and stuff. He Funny does. Guy. He's in everything. And um, he runs the branch in Chicago, and he wants to have an office Christmas party like his dear departed dad did back in the day when quote employees got drunk before noon. And he's kind of <laughs> he's kind of a Tommy Boy character, you mm-hmm. know, the guy who's trying to do well. Well, his sister is played by Jennifer Aniston. She's the company's CEO since their dad died, and she comes into town and says. Not only will there not be a Christmas party, but I'm going to shut this place down unless you can land the $14 million account of this big businessman played by Courtney B. Vance. So that's their last-ditch effort, and when their, their pitch doesn't quite become as persuasive as they plan, they figure what, what's left to do except we're going to convince him, with, convince him that we are such a great firm, a family-like firm, that we party. So they invite him to the office Christmas party and pull out all the stops, and that's when you know the staff naughty list gets pretty big. And you've got all these other side characters. Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon, who, if there's a better scene stealer out there, I don't know where no. who they are. You're just afraid. She plays the, the head of the HR, and she's always going around telling people how to behave. She's hanging up signs in the office and say, think of your family. <laughs> And she doesn't want a Christmas party. She wants a non-denominational mixer. <laughs> and, of course, as things get going, she starts letting loose a little bit. And the faces she makes, she's um, just she, so funny. She's so funny. And then it's you, like you say, you don't want to take your eyes you off don't. her for fear that over in the corner of the screen she's going to do something hilarious and you'll right, miss it. Right. And you've got people, familiar faces, familiar names, Rob, uh, Rob Corbdry, Jillian mm-hmm. uh, Bell. There's um, other people that... You might not know their names, but you know their faces. Vanessa Bayer from Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Basically, all these people are well-versed in making a mark out of limited screen yes. time. And they they do well with that. And they really make the most of it because the script who's, was put together by... The actual story is credited with the guys from The Hangover. Mm-hmm. So, okay, good. At least the first Hangover. Right. Um, they didn't write the script, though. Uh, the script was put together by a team with really not a whole lot on the resume. Uh, the one writer has done some work with Sasha Baron Cohen, Bruno, and Borat. So yeah, there some you good go. stuff there. Yes. But anyway, the script does have its lulls. It does. And um, you get the feeling there's a lot of improvisation here with these characters. I would with assume these with these actors, sure. And that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So they definitely wring as much out of it as they can. But there are there are some lulls. So it's not, the, it's not up to the level of, say, horrible bosses mm-hmm. with... Jason Bateman, Jennifer Aniston, it's not, it's not there. That's solid, really funny from start to finish, but 
it's got some it's got some decent laughs. So yeah, no Oscar <laughs> nominations for no. Oscar Christmas part office Christmas party, but it's one of those where yes, it's funny, but with this group of people, you're just expecting maybe it should have been a little funnier. Sure. You know. Yeah. But still but still solid. So those are the three main wide release movies this this week. But what I'm not sure is anything opening next week, George? Hmm, hmm. I've seen a couple of trailers for Star Wars Rogue One. What? <laughs> so, we'll look forward to that next week. That's is anything opening uh, uh, Collateral Beauty actually. Oh. So, Will Smith, uh, am I wrong? Every Christmas he puts out a schmaltz well, fest. If you smell something, it's Oscar bait. Yeah. He's trying every year. He tries every year. And this one you don't want to have too many assumptions, but just looking at the trailer, it looks like an incredibly manipulative Oscar ploy. Yeah. So hopefully not. Right. Hopefully Helen not. Mirren is in it, and so at least That's we can great. look forward to that. Exactly. I, I'm never unhappy yeah. to see Helen Mirren. So we'll I want to grow up to be Helen Mirren. <laughs> don't we all? Right. So those are the two big ones. Uh, I'm really surprised anything is opening opposite uh, Rogue One. Well, you remember last year, it was that Tina Fey movie, Sisters. and it tanked because nobody saw it because everybody it saw Star funny. Wars. It was kind of on the order of Office Christmas Party. About half of it was really funny. Um, those are the two next week, but we've got, do we have on video? Oh, we have uh, the Born latest Jason Born. Born. Jason yep, Born. Yeah, Jason Born comes, came out this week. Born this way. <laughs> and uh, I, thought it was, I thought it was solid. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a solid franchise. Went when back, he's to Paul in it. back to Paul so, Greengrass. Back to Paul Greengrass. And both. So bring the same star back, same director back of the top yeah. ones. Yeah. And I thought it was, it had two, I know one in particular, very, very effective action sequence. And Paul Greengrass can do that. Um, so I thought, yeah, not great, but another solid entry in the franchise. And I think they're they're going to continue with um, Matt Damon. I think Interesting. For at least one more. I think that's what I read, but don't quote me on that. But yeah, it was a pretty solid effort, I thought. Another smaller one that comes out is called Don't Think Twice. It's got a great ensemble. It is uh, Mike Birbiglia, the comic. He put it together, and it's just sort of an ode to improv you know, uh, performers, they live in New York. Most of them are are trying to get on Saturday Night Live. That's not what they call it, but that's clearly what it is. So there's <laughs> a lot of internal inside stuff. And some of the things that I found fascinating, it's just the way these this, these people, they they work on their improv all the time, like in regular conversations at the grocery store on a road trip. And it's just so natural the way they do it. It's funny, but it's not always funny. It's more interesting and touching and Insidery and mm. and fascinating in that way. So it's uh, it's not exactly a laugh riot you might expect it to be, but it's funny and it's it's really insightful. Interesting. Okay, so really, uh, at least at the new at the multiplex this week, three recommendations, yes. especially for Manchester by the Sea and for Nocturnal Animals. And if you're in the mood to laugh at some office hijinks, Office Christmas Party is out there too. So let us know what you think, what you've seen that you like or don't like. The easiest way to get a hold of us is on Twitter. We're at Mad Wolf. That's M A D D W O L F. And on Facebook, love to hook up with you there as well. We're at Mad Wolf Columbus. And the Screening Room Podcast is a presentation of the Columbus Radio Group and MadWolf.com. So we look forward to next week with Rogue One Woo-hoo! and with uh, Collateral Beauty, which mm. hopefully comes out to be better than we had hoped. Love to say we're wrong. We I'd would love, love to. to. So until next week, I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but. I'm having an old friend for dinner.